Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good day and good night. Welcome back to Team of Our Lives, the only and best Northeast based football podcast. Today, we are delighted to be joined by Kyle, who is a Northeast football card collector, Stoke fan, and is the creator of the fantastic, the sensational footballing app, Teammates. Uh, the app itself is a football quiz game like no other. You can link up with anytime club teammates to complete lineups and work your way up the English football leagues and cups. Think of it like FIFA Ultimate Team, but players form links if they're, if they're being teammates at any point in their club career. There are 250 unique lineups to complete and two areas to choose from, the noughties and the 2010s to present day. Take on the challenge and download the app. Only available on Apple currently, but will be coming out on Android very, very soon. Uh, Harry? How are you, sir? I'm um, very well, sir. How are you? Not too bad. Um, so you've been. We've just interviewed Kyle. Um, 
lovely, amazing guy, very clever, very knowledgeable about uh, about about naughty football. I guess as I suppose you'd have to be to create your very own app on the subject. Um, it was a good interview, wasn't it? Yeah, very much so. I was uh, very blown away of just just the amount of knowledge he has, and uh, yeah, I felt a little bit out of my, out of depth in a way. It, just the way he'd list players off and who they were playing for, when and where. It's very impressive. He is, a, he is a human Wikipedia page, isn't he? Very much indeed. So we do hope you guys enjoy that ep- uh, enjoy the episode um, very much indeed. But as per usual, before we get too much involved, we always have a game of wiki races. Um, this is the game where we choose a footballer, get them up on Wikipedia, and we try and get them to the other footballer in as few clicks or as few links as possible. Um, so we started with... Darius for sale today, and we had to try and get to Oliver Kahn um, in as few clicks as possible using the Wikipedia webpage. Um, so, Harry, how did you get on? Well, I thought this was going to be very hard, and I think I've smashed it. Okay, I think I've smashed it too, to be fair. So, go on. So, I started on Darius for sale. Yeah. Scroll down a little bit, and it says he was included in the uh, 2002 World Cup squad, clicked 2002 World Cup, scroll down a little bit, it says best player, Oliver Garn, clicked that, that's two. And that's the exact same thing that i done. It was too easy, who that knew? It was too easy, it was too easy. That was rubbish, we need to think of something harder. Maybe Steve Finnan, we originally had Steve Finnan down, maybe yeah, that was maybe, a, that, maybe that would have been harder. Been harder. Yeah, that's a good point, oh well. Uh, if you could beat two... I don't know how you would. I don't know how you would. Um, have a go at home. Um, who knows? Maybe Darius or Selwyn or Karma, pen pals or something. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so before we move on to the interview with, with Kyle, it's time for a fantasy Premier League update. Now, the last time we spoke, I think I was 16th and you were 15th. Something like that. Hmm. Now, I made a risky move. I got rid of Bruno Fernandes so I can bring in Cristiano Ronaldo put him up front alongside Lukaku. And I've got to, you know, it, it, it's done me a world of favours because I've gone from 16th to 6th place in our Fantasy Premier League, Team of Lives Fantasy League. How's it going for you, Harry? Yeah, so it started off so well. And uh, so basically, not, not too different from yourself. I, I'd uh, made a few transfers. I'd uh, brought in Ronaldo. I'd got rid of Pogba. Um, and to be fair, out of like all... Everyone in our league, um, like the second or third, like highest amount of points of a week. Yeah, I've moved one position from 17th to 16th. But so even though I got over 70 points or 80 points this week, but it just shows you how far behind I was to begin with, I suppose. Um, but if you look now, between like sixth and 17th, there's only like 40 points or something in it. It's getting very tight. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm on 256 points. Um, and to get to third place is only 287, second place is only 292, first place is 310. So it's still pretty close all up and down the leagues. Yeah. I do like the fact that the person in third place is Matt Gill and the person in fourth place (laughs) is is Matt Gillen. So it's the Gill, the Gill, the Matt Gill. If you called Matt and have Gill as part of your name, you're doing pretty well. Um, Fair play, fair play indeed. But, um, yeah, I would have thought you would have moved up the ranks a little bit more yeah. than you did if you put Ronaldo in your team. Yeah, and I captained him. Uh, but 
I don't know. I think it's just I had a lot of players that just got the standard two points. I think let me down um, a bit, but. I thought it was that first week when everyone had Fernandez as captain and he scored hat trick. So you know, I'm just uh, still just catching up from then, really. I think the, the only the only way for you to kind of make up for lost time now is to find a hidden gem who's just yeah. suddenly going to score every week on the bounce. Like you know, remember when like Mitchy Batshuayi a few seasons ago, when Chelsea's striker at the time was injured and he just scored like five games in a row. Yeah, just that's what I need. You, I need. I'll tell you what, he's a good shout. Like, um, Crystal Palace striker who signed from Celtic, Edward. Okay, he still he will still be cheap. Yeah, true. Might get I'm quite happy. With, I'm quite happy with my striking options at the moment. I've got Ronaldo, Lukaku, and no, uh, Ivan Tony. Um, I might put I might put Edward in for Tony. Yeah, it's not a bad chap. I think he's. And Pateke, not scoring, is he? Yeah, I think with, if I I'd got rid to help me move some people around and help me get Ronaldo in, I, I did get rid of. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold I mean he had a good week and that would have if he was still on the team somehow. I don't know how I would have balanced it but if I somehow balanced it with him still on the team uh, I think I would have definitely skyrocketed up the league a little bit more but you know it's what it is there we go anyway anyway, without further ado enjoy our interview with Stoke fan and the creator of the teammates app Kyle and uh, it's, a, it's a great interview and uh, as you'll go on to find out, he's pretty much the sole reason Stoke got promoted to the Premier League. Uh, no spoilers. Enjoy. I don't know, Jeff, has it? I must have missed that. Red card. Welcome back to Team of Our Lives, the Naughties football podcast. We are delighted, enthralled and just amazed to be joined by our special guest this week, the creator of the footballing app Teammates, Stoke City fan and football car collector, Welcome to Team of Our Lives. Kyle, how are we, sir? Hi, Ollie. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, no. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm fine and, uh, yeah, happy to be on and to talk football with you and, and reminisce about the good old days of the noughties. <laughs> exactly, the good old days indeed. But we always start with the first three questions, Kyle. First up, who is your favourite footballer from the noughties? Well, I had two names stuck out um, when you asked me firstly about this. And I went straight to 2006 in terms of the noughties. And um, I was thinking of Ronaldinho, um, you know, when when he was at his prime, when Barcelona won the Champions League. And I would always, after Barcelona had played, I'd, I'd go and watch the highlights and see what, new trick Ronaldinho <laughs> Absolutely. On, on YouTube. Um, and then as a Man U fan at the time, um, it was always about Wayne Rooney for me. Uh, Ronaldo came, um, I think he came the season before, didn't he, Ronaldo? But, uh, 304, yeah. Yeah, but for me, for some reason, it was, it was Rooney, even though he didn't have the talent or the raw... Um, I suppose he did have the talent at the time, but maybe not the superstar, you know, um, diamond in the rough that that Ronaldo was. Um, for me, yeah, Rooney had something that Ronaldo didn't have, and I can't put my finger on what it was. Um, I know, I know exactly what you mean. It's yeah. kind of like he didn't look like a footballer. Maybe to some degree, but he was he was naturally gifted in the way that 
Ronaldo kind of, for me, you can tell he just, he's a workhorse and he kept working and working and perfecting and perfecting. As for me, Rooney almost looked like he didn't try sometimes, but was just, could just, you know, t- turn it on. And you'll know as a Man U fan about, about Rooney and his raw talent and ability mm. to just turn it on. And yeah, I think, I think whereas Ronaldo kind of was self-taught and developed as a player over his time at United, I felt like Rooney had it straight away. Yeah. And he just, he just needed to build his fitness. Like I, I read Alex Ferguson's autobiography and he spoke about how um, it was just Rooney's fitness that was that was letting him down um, throughout his career. But um, your next question about about underrated player, it's interesting because um, I th- I think Rooney, in terms of like superstar players, I think Rooney is actually quite underrated as well. But yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. So let's let's go on to that now then for underrated footballers. So you're saying your favourite footballer, Ronaldinho, Rooney. The, I'd, I'd, say, I'd say Rooney was my favourite. He was he was the one player that I wanted to replicate as a player growing up. Excellent stuff, excellent. And I and underrated as well. I think when you look back on the on the kind of um, the array of talent over the noughties, or you know, there are a lot of players that maybe are underrated. But Rooney was was at one point one of the best players in the world. People forget that as well. And I think because Ronaldo was at United at the same time, so it was Tevez. And, you know, then later Berbatov and Van Persie. He does get left behind a little bit. And you got to remember, he's top goal scorer for United, top goal scorer for England as well. And he could do anything with a ball. Not all strikers can do that, you know. And I think as well, we judge Ronaldo alongside sometimes Messi and Ronaldo. And Rooney's a different kind of player to them. I think if you, if you judge him alongside Gerrard and Lampard, because he, he was someone that would drop back and be more creative and help out with play, whereas Ronaldo didn't so much at United. Um, if you compare his numbers with Gerard and Lampard, he is you know better for goals and better for I think for assists as well. Absolutely, yeah. His, his passing ability was just insanely good. It was, I mean, Carrick, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love I love Rooney in the noughties. And he became more of a centre forward, I think, later on. But yeah, peak Rooney for me was sort of 2009, maybe 2008, when United won the the league and and Champions League. Absolutely. Okay, finally then, who's one player you just don't get? You think, how on earth did they get a professional contract? What is going on there? How do they make it to the Premier League? Who's one player who's maybe your least liked of the Norsings? Um, So for this one, I went down different routes. It's quite an interesting one because um, for me, I go down the route of like what players did I dislike um, from the noughties growing up. Um, and when you're just learning about football and you know, you're playing yourself, you kind of focus on uh, the players that you like and you don't really focus on the players that you dislike for, for different reasons. Um, when I was a United fan growing up, I um, strongly disliked Thierry Henry, but that was because he was <laughs> so good and it was scoring yeah, yeah, yeah. for Arsenal. Um, 
But players I didn't like, there wasn't there weren't too many that stand out. Um, but it depends if 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 you're talking about players that I disliked, I suppose Dennis Wise is someone. Um and his midfield partner, Robbie Savage, at Leicester. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Correct answer, sir. Correct answer. Yeah, just like, they were just horrible, weren't they? They just kicked people and didn't really have much football inability apart from that. And they made made names for themselves and made careers out of just being horrible people that would, you know, kick the star midfielder from the opposition. And yeah, I, I was never a fan of, of Dennis Wise or or Robbie Savage throughout their careers, and they I think lasted for the majority of the noughties as well. Particularly Savage, um, he joined Derby, didn't he, in two thousand seven oh eight, and he was part of that terrible team that broke a record for the fewest points. And I was kind of glad about that as because he was yeah. the captain. He was captain, yeah, yeah. He still has the record to the day of having the most most yellow cards of any player to play in the Premier League. Um, but we we named the this feature after him, the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame. So this is the second time, <laughs> the second time he's been inducted, uh, which is a <laughs> which is all good. Um, but fantastic answer, indeed. Um, so you've created an app called Teammates. We've kind of alluded it to it in the intro. We've been bigging you up, me and Harry as well. Tell us in your own words then what made you create this app. What's it like? You compared it to FIFA Ultimate Team, and where can people find it? So I started the um, sort of planning of the game uh, and the different levels before moving away to uni, and I just wrote on a Word document, um, sort of a quiz style, um, and then turned it into something that was less of a quiz and more of a game where, similar to FIFA Ultimate Team, you link up players that have been teammates. Um, but the, the twist for my game is that there's a, a quiz aspect in that all the teammates um, that have to link up within a level, which is um, a lineup once you, you know, select the correct players um, of 11 players in, in, in different formations. And the twist is that they have to fit a criteria, whether that be Premier League winners, um, players beginning with the letter W or, or things like that. Um, so it, you, have to, you have to think about it as well. Um, it's not just a case of matching up players that you um, recognise played for the same teams. It's quite, it's quite challenging and, and unique as well. There's nothing out there. And I think growing up, um, I played FIFA a lot and, and Pez, um, all through the noughties but in terms of a game or a quiz game there was nothing out there for me and I, I you know pick a lot of things up in terms of which players play in which positions and I'm quite factual and st- statistical um, about that and that, that feeds into me now playing um, fantasy football a lot I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm good at football quizzes but I like to keep up with who's scoring and assisting every week. Um, and that's just the way I like to um, sort of watch football and take in information. And I used my knowledge of footballers across 20 years of, of following the game and put it into a football quiz app. 
um, which was just started off as a, um, a side project when I'd finished uni. And yeah, that's that's teammates and you can download it on the App Store. Um, and the Play Store app is also under development. And I'm hoping to have that completed um, in time for next year. Absolutely. Looking forward to uh, getting my hands on the, the Android version. Then. Fantastic stuff. I was the same when I was, I was, I was at school as well. I used to have the um, match of the day board game. But obviously, no one would play it with me because a lot of my family is not into football. So if you get, you know, where did, where did Torquay play their home games? You know, actually, that's a bad example because I live in Torquay. But um, <laughs> I don't know, it was later, where did Leighton Orient play their home games? You know, I, I might be the only one who gets that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, kind of, I kind of agree with you. It's quite idealistic having an app like that. But it's going to challenge you, particularly your knowledge from the Norseys as well. So I'm going to look forward to playing that after this. Spend my evenings wisely i do i do indeed <laughs> happy happy days indeed um, but let, let's get on to why we're here we're talking football in the noughties that's what we do now you told us you're a stoke city fan but this is a bit of a elongated story isn't it kyle um because you start the decade as a manchester united fan so me and harry kind of kind of i mean an ring how, how how did that transition happen well i i struggled to put my finger on it because it, it is a long story and it's not a decision that I actively made to start supporting Stoke or to start supporting Man U. I think it was a gradual process over time, um, over the space of the noughties, I suppose, because um, I'm only 24 at the moment. And when I, when I went to my first game, um, it was a Champions League game. I used to go to... Old Trafford with my dad, who was a Man U fan, and we'd go to the big, the big Champions League nights and uh, whatever other tickets he could get his hands on. Um, I, I'm from Stoke, um, so I don't have any local affiliation to uh, Man U, but through my dad, I supported Man U throughout the, most of the noughties. It was only until later on in the noughties where when Man U had won everything again um, under Fergie and with Ronaldo and, and Rooney um, having developed into superstars and all the other players surrounding them. Um, it, was, it was great to watch that, but I didn't feel a connection to Man U after that. I felt like there was nothing else to support or mm. there was nothing else, you know, for for me as a fan, I suppose. I, I was spoilt in that I was a bit of a glory hunter, but being a glory hunter is only one thing. There's always ups and downs of football, as as you'll know as a, as a Man U fan after Fergie. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I lived through Man U first being successful, winning title after title early in the noughties and then going from 2003 to 2007 without winning the Premier League and then winning everything again. And and then I had the opportunity to be a ball boy, um, again, through my dad, who knew someone that works for the club. Um, so this was in 2007, so from 2007 
um, onwards, I was a ball boy at Stoke City Games. Oh, wow. And th- this was the, the start of sort of a new era for Stoke City as a club under Tony Pulis. And there was a lot of excitement at the time um, around us at, in the championship. Um, we progressed year on year and we were promoted um, to the Premier League in 2008 09, in, no, in 2007 08. Um, this was, you know, a fantastic time for where I live in Stoke. And I felt a connection to it personally. And I felt like I was part of, I was involved in something um, through supporting Stoke, sort of vicariously as a ball boy, um, but not like. What I still didn't consider myself a Stoke fan at the time, but when we were playing in the Premier League, uh, that had a big impact on me because I was watching, you know, the, the best players um, that played in England at the time uh, play against uh, Stoke at the Britannia, and they'd mm. struggle. And Stoke put in a really good account of themselves, despite being written off. Yeah. Had power um, paid out after the first game of the season, which we lost. Um, everyone in the media wrote us off and started calling us um, a long ball team that was, you know, that played rugby and we weren't <laughs> put out for the for the Premier League um, with the the long throw being our our best route to goals sometimes. Rory to your lap special. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I passed him the ball, so I was... You know, I, I got to really today. Um, have you got any um just on the ball boy stuff? Have you have you got any uh like behind the scenes kind of stories from that? You you said you were a match of the day. What was what was that like? Is it it was only for us um you know a few seconds um, oh, okay. every so every other week um I'd try and spot myself and, and <laughs> my mum my and dad would do the same. Um in terms of stories I mean I met players that I knew of and I liked um, from before being a ball boy from following you know football on live on Sky Um, I got to meet uh, like Gareth Barry who is not someone that you'd immediately you know think of at at that time or or anything like that again it sort of goes back to your question about like underrated players. Um, and I, w- I was going to say Gareth Barry because, you know, for so many years he was, um, he was one of the best central midfielders uh, as an all-round player that could do everything. Um, and he was very underrated and I respected him at the time. Um, and so when we played Aston Villa, which was the second home game of the 08-09 season, um, our first year up, um, I made a special effort to go over to Gareth Barry and get his signature um, because I had him in my fantasy team, so that hadn't been <laughs> well, but, um, Yeah, I respected Barry a lot. And the funny thing is that when a few, um, about 10 years later, um, we, we moved house and the electrician, the electrician was the uncle of Gareth Barry. And it was so weird how that no came No way. Out. Yeah. 
So the first player that I met through being a, a ball boy in the Premier League um, had that connection years on, which is, wow. which is really nuts. Nice. Your, your plumber wasn't like uh, Rory Delap's brother or something. <laughs> no. <it> no. <laughs> well, I, I, I met I met Gareth uh, I met uh, Roy Delap um, a few years ago actually in 2019. He, he did a like Q um, which the club ran, and I I went along and got to meet Delap because I never really spoke to him, even though I was a ball boy that had passed him the, the ball and the towel for so many years. Yeah, for sure. Never actually helped him. You, you basically, you, what you're saying is that you are the secret weapon behind those yeah, pros. I was, I was the assister of. Uh, <laughs> of uh, <laughs> you were the assist, assistant. We, you are the secret weapon for uh, all Stoke success in that late period of time. Um, I'm going to quickly go before we go through the quick history of Stoke in the noughties, I was just wondering being in your privileged position at that time to see Stoke from a very good view being a ball boy in the Premier League do you have any favourite Stoke players? I think it's it's difficult to really um, pick out a certain player in that time um, when we were you know first in the Premier League later on there was star players you know there were the likes of Shakiri and Arnautovic um, sort of in the mid tens, but when we first came up, we didn't really have a particularly key player for us. We were just a very good team that worked hard, and um, we were better than the sum of our parts. I think. Um, but if I had to pick out a player, I'd say Ricardo Fuller was Ricardo Fuller was, was he was a game changer, and he would. He would win games on his own sometimes. Ricardo Fuller is an interesting choice as a uh, as a Pompey fan. Obviously, he played he played at Portsmouth, and it never quite happened for him. He always looked, you know, like he looked like he had something there. And then, uh, unfortunately, he uh, was in that first Harry Redknapp exodus, ended up in uh, the red and white stripes of Southampton. Um, but they never really treated him very well, being an ex Pompey player. And there's a great story where. Why he was playing for Stoke, uh, he's getting stick from Southampton fans uh, because they're like, you know, never liked him there. He never did it for him there. And he gets the opposite. You know, they do the like drop ball and he's meant to knock it back to the goalkeeper. And he tries to chip the goalkeeper instead <laughs> because he just hated Southampton that much. So I rate Ricardo Fuller just for that. Like It didn't work, but could you imagine if it did? Yeah, um, that was just Rick, I think. I mean, he played up to the crowd all the time. And we, we loved him. He was he was definitely our fan favourite in, in that time under Pulis. Didn't he used to play with like, earrings in as well? He was proper like mm. fashion icon. Yeah, yeah. He, he also <laughs> had this superstition where he didn't tie his shoelaces up properly and his, his, his boots had like, come flying off randomly in the middle of the game. <laughs> Oh, um, that's funny. Yeah, he was a, I tell you what, I, for me, remembering the noughties as I do, he was quite an underrated striker um, that late period for Stoke City as well. He's a very, very good finisher. Um, yeah. I, I think he was actually taller than people thought. I think he's around six foot three, not taller than people thought. I remember the goal he scored. I don't remember who he scored against, but do you remember Dennis Burkamp's famous goal against Newcastle where he spins around? No, the one. And it was, a, it was that game against Villa. Was um, it against Ma- Martin Lawson? Was the centre back? 
Okay, and Ricardo Fuller done the same thing, essentially. Yeah, so he flicked the ball from... He had his back to the, the, the defender. He flicked the ball round him, ran the other way, and then got the ball the other side, which is similar to what Bergkamp did against... Uh, was it Dabizas in the late 90s? Yes, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, that's still one of the best goals I've ever seen live. And yeah, that, that funnily enough, that's that's the same game that um, I met the Villa team. Oh, wow. And uh, saw, saw Gareth Barry, who, who was my idol at the time, <laughs> weirdly. Fair play. Fair um, play. But yeah, they, they had a really good team, didn't they? Aston Villa from sort of 2007 to 2009. Before, yeah, yeah. Before they'd sold, you know, James Young, Ashley Young, and Gareth Barry. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, then. So quickly, as you said, you kind of became a Stoke fan later in the noughties. I just want to kind of run through Stoke City from early on, and then kind of see if any of this rings a bell with you, or if you've got any further information. There. Um, so the 2000 to 01 season, the manager is uh, the Icelandic man uh, Gujon Fatarsson. Uh, you finished fifth in the second division at the time, so that would now be League One. Uh, Peter Form is your top goal scorer. You reached the playoff semi-finals, but couldn't quite uh, make it up to the championship. I can't remember the name of your chairman, but he was he was Icelandic as well, and like you had like seven or eight Icelandic players, which I found a bit odd, but uh, that's quite funny. Um, and then the A one o two season uh, manager is still Gujon Fadarsson. You finish fifth for the second season in a row, uh, but this time you win the playoffs and you go up to uh, Division One, or is what is now known as the Championship. Um, you sign players like Boaz Myhill, where you're starting to get quite a quite a few names in at this time as well. O two O three, despite success, you uh, you sack uh, Fedarsen and you get in Steve Cotterill, who's kind of a, one of those managers who's been around pretty much every yeah. single club in the Championship. Um, but he decides to leave halfway through the season and join Sunderland as the assistant manager. Um, and that's when your man, Tony Pulis, comes in and he pretty much saves you from getting relegated uh, in 2 3 uh, by finishing 21st. Um, he went on a 16-game streak without a win. Um, and he had some weird players, like Ben Foster was there for a little bit. Uh, Paul Warhurst was there as well and, you know, he's, he's like a legend going back in the 90s which I found a bit yeah. weird one of, one of the quirks we have as a club is we've always had great goalkeepers like, like Premier League like even before the Premier League but going back even to Gordon Banks yeah, yeah. As well, we, we've always had great goalkeepers play for us and uh, yeah, Ben Foster was one that came through the academy Absolutely. Well, Boaz Myhill, Ben Foster. Um, I'm going to get on to a few more goalkeepers as well I've got here. So 03-04 season. Um, first season with Tony Pulis fully in charge in the, in the first divisional championship. Uh, you finish 11th. So there's clear progress when Tony Pulis is there. Um, another legend of the championship in the lower leagues is uh, Adi Akinbayi, um, top goal scorer in the 03-04 season with 10 goals as well. Yeah. We, um, we loaned him because we, we were unsure on him. Um, Sorry, my phone has decided to. Uh, you got hentai. You got hentai players. I got I got a Chinese phone, and every now and then it decides it wants to talk. <laughs> All right, there you go. Oh, God. Leave, Sorry, I could hear it. I could hear it beeping, and I was like, "It's gonna go." Mm-hmm. It's I know it. it was Adi Akinbay. 
Yeah, from beyond yeah, the stone grave. <laughs> so um, sorry, Carl. Mm-hmm. Akinbaye. Yeah, we, we signed Akinbaye on loan, I think, from Leicester, and he he was a flop there in, uh, when Leicester um, were relegated from the Premier League, and we took a risk on him, and he was nothing more nothing more than a risk as a loan signing, and. Uh, in that season, he really proved himself in the first season we had him on loan. Um, and we, I think we kept him for another season and then and then we ended up signing him permanently. But yeah, he's one that no one expected to be so good for us from, from, what, from what I've heard from Stoke fans around that time. Um, like I say, I was more of a, a Man U fan at that time. Mm. And I, was, I was fairly new to football as well. Um, but yeah, a lot of Stoke fans have fond memories of Akinbaye. I think a lot of Football League fans have fond memories with him because he pretty much played for every single club, I think. So, if I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm but you signed um, another good goalkeeper you had at that point is uh, Ed, the Dutch goalkeeper, former Chelsea keeper, uh, Ed De Hoy. Um, he was there as well. He, he played quite a few games for you as well. Clint Hill, um, you know, later of QPR. Yeah, he, he was well. a reliable player as well. He... he Earned a bigger move um, from playing for us. Absolutely. 04 05 season, um, you finished 12th again, so you're still in the kind of mid tables. Yeah, this is when Kenwin Jones enters. You've got Steve Guppy, another, I don't know how he ended up there, um, another former legend, and Michael Ricketts as well, who's a legend with Bolton. Um, but I don't think he scored a goal for you guys. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it, it was a strange time. Um, I, I read a book by um, an author called Stephen Foster about early noughties Stoke City and um, he's not around anymore but uh, yeah he, he was a, a great author um, in the area and he followed us right from in those days um, to um, being in the FA Cup final and uh, yeah he actually wrote a book all about the, the lead up to uh, the FA Cup final in 2011 as well, which is just um, after the North East. But yeah, that shows where we came from and where we went to under Pulis was phenomenal in, in such a short space of time. Little by little, he, he built a project at Stoke City, which resulted in us not just being promoted and staying in the Premier League, but... Um, stabilising us for a few years after and pushing us on to um, competing in cup competitions because we, we were never going to get into Europe under Pulis. But we were very good at what we did. And yeah, there's, I think there's a lot of sort of, a lot of things that clubs these days can still learn from Tony Pulis and what he did at Stoke because it, it was no frills. It wasn't your... Bielsa, who's, you know, obviously done an equally good job at Leeds in the two years that he's been there, three years. Um, Pulis did it over a longer period of time, but he built something slowly and by his own means. And and he, he got a group, pieced a group of players together from all around the football league. Uh, mainly of English players that were cast-offs at other clubs. Um, players like you know Danny Higginbottom, 
who started his career at Man U, who um, was take he was signed by I think Southampton. They were relegated. Um, Sunderland then signed him. Uh, they were promoted and didn't want him anymore. Um, he was with us after Southampton, and then Sunderland signed him, and then he came back to us. And every player that played for Pulis sort of enjoyed playing for him because he took it mm. back to basics, stripped everything back. There was no like fancy tactics. It was just work hard for the team, know your role. And as someone who, you know, admires football tactics and I suppose growing up as a Man U fan, I was a, a purist in a football sense because, yeah. well, you know, without seeing me and like, I know everything about football, like, I, I felt at the time like I did know everything because, you know, I'd seen Alex Ferguson teams, the way they play. Um, it was very attacking, you know, the, the wingers would get forward. Everything was going forward. Um, and then to go from that, seeing that every week, it was, you know, this incredible football that um, Stoke City could never play. Um, but Pulis did everything his own way and... Um, yeah, we weren't Manchester United, and he made, he he knew that, and we knew that, and yeah, he he played a certain style of play which worked for us and and the players we had. It must have been an interesting juxtaposition to see Alex Ferguson's attack, 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 <laughs> and then you then you support your kind of local team to go well, well. There's actually another way to doing it with this band of mixed match of players that Tony Pulis has at the helm, and he's. As you said, he's doing things his own way, but he's still getting results from it. It must have been quite maybe a humbling, a humbling experience. You know, you know Harry's a lower league fan now, a sports with a drunk on the legs. <laughs> so he's kind of um it must have been quite humbling in a way the, the to see football, your local team do well. The football league's totally different though. I don't, I don't think you can compare like the top of the Premier League and you know, a team like Man U that competes on in all competitions and expect to, to win everything. It's totally different supporting um, Stoke who were in the championship when I first started watching them. And I suppose there's more of a connection with your local team as well. Um, but in terms of, you know, the style of play, I don't think you really, you, you, I don't think you, you really care what, what system and what tactics your team plays as long as it works and your team gets results. And that's how I saw it as a Stoke fan. Yeah. It helped that, you know, I, I knew the players and I liked the players that played for us. They were all like genuine down to earth people who would, you know, say hello to you and, and thank you when you, you pass them the football. Um, when I was a ball boy and yeah, I, th- I think we had a group of players that all worked well and, uh, we we played as a team that had a, a very good togetherness and, and team spirit. And all the ex-Stoke players um, are still friends now, which speaks volumes to me. For sure. They, and For they sure. still live in the area and they still have a connection with Stoke-on-Trent as well, which I think, obviously, Man U is totally different in that, isn't it? It's, mm. yeah. I think you've um, touched touched on some really like uh, interesting things there so like uh, for example uh, being a supporting a team um, uh, from your local area I think like obviously you support United you saw all that amazing uh, trophy winning success but then 
there's something about, and this is just to annoy Ollie a little bit, there's something about having that connection to your local team that it doesn't matter, like, if they win trophies. Like, if you've got that connection, it's something else. And maybe one day Ollie will give in and become a Torquay fan, but I doubt it. But And I think, and also, again, you, you were talking about... Um, Pulis and what he managed to achieve and you know and and how you were written off and like he knew that it was an unfavorable club so he went and got these players who were sort of unfavorable players and you can just imagine that those talks of like all right nobody cares about us nobody thinks we're going to do anything and that's just going to band people together and he's obviously great at doing that yeah and the fans knew that and we were right behind this idea that we weren't the best team in in the mm. in you know, even in the championship, we weren't the best team in the league. Um, but we got behind the team and we were, you know, we were a passionate fan base. And it, it's the same with Portsmouth, at, you know, in the noughties. Yeah, when, sure. You know, when when you really although, had great atmosphere at Fratton Park. Yeah. It was the same for us at the Britannia. Although I think Pompey fans, uh, we have a tendency to get carried away and think we are one of the big boys. Um, and... Even to this day, there's Pompey fans who don't understand why we're not signing Premier League talent. And it's like, we've not been in the Premier League for longer than we were in it. <laughs> uh, you know? But uh, I think that's admirable that, like, even the fans were, okay, this project, we're behind it. Because we've had managers come in and want to play direct systems or want to, you know, no frills or and all this. And we, we boo them out, because, out of the ground because we want to see attacking football for some reason down here. Where sometimes you got you got to accept that in lower leagues or even at the bottom of that bottom rung of the Premier League, you're not going to get away with playing Bielsa style football. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, with us, I think I don't think it's much to do with the style of play. It's it's more to do with the work rate of the players. Um, and we always look back at Pulis and even under Mark Hughes when these, you know, multi-million pound players, um, we had in Zonzi, Arnautovic and Shakiri, um, and Bojan as well. Um, but the moment that they stopped working hard, we would let them know about it, yeah. whoever they were. Um, and I think as well, we're, we, we're very results driven as, as people as well. It's a working class area. And yeah. um, that's really obvious you know, Stoke-on-Trent's a poor place to live. Um, so it's for, for us, it's all about the passion that the players show. And it's always good to have good players as well that, you know, play good football, but um, players that um, work hard and, um, you know, genuinely try hard to, you know, do the the dirty work for the team, helping out defending is, is always something that goes down well with us as a fan base. Yeah. Good stuff. Moving on quickly, because it could have gone very wrong, because uh, in 05-06, uh, the Icelandic board decide to sack Tony Pulis. Um, and they well, they get in, who's the manager? Uh, Johan Boskamp as well, um, who doesn't last too long. I think he lasts a season. I think they're a bit, I think the Icelandic chairman, Gunnar Kassalison, probably murdering that the pronunciation. Um, he gets a bit bored of mid-table football by the sounds of it, gets Tony Pulis out, replaced by Boskamp, and then come the end of the season, sells the club back to Peter Coates, who owned the club back in the late 90s, I believe. Um, and then he installs Tony Pulis back as manager 
for the uh, 06 07 season. Do you, have you got any memories of that at all? Or how controversial that may have been? Did the, were the fans on board with that? I just know that everything the Icelandics did didn't work out. They, <laughs> they were they were basically wasting the money at the club. They were hiring the wrong managers and we ended up just going back to our roots. And I do wonder if Peter Coates had a word in Thordarsson's ear and said, just get Pulis back and he'll keep us in the championship. And Coates was back the following season and uh, the club was transformed uh, back to back to our roots, I suppose, back to basics. Absolutely. Um, it was, Peter, it was, Coates, Peter Coates is a local businessman as well. He's, he's got the club at heart and still does. He's, he's still the, the chairman now. Incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, and it was instant success because, you know, Tony Pulis is out for pretty much a season, comes back for the 06 07 season, and you get your highest finish in the championship, eighth. And guess who's your top goal scorer? Ricardo Fuller. Um, you buy a load of players this season, one of whom, Ricardo Fuller, you get Danny Higginbottom, Lee Hendry, Rory Delap, Patrick Berger, Salas Dial as well. Um, and then the next season, 07 08. Good time to be a Stoke fan because you finish second and get promoted to the Premier League as well. That, that was my first full season as a ball boy. Yeah, just yeah. So mm-hmm. happens just so happens. Yeah, I magic touch. Magic touch. There's a rumour going around that Kyle uh, got Stoke promoted by uh, assisting the assister of Rory Dab. That's, next, that's next what week, I've heard. I'll go with that. That can be the hi- the headline of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the, next week. Secret, the secret behind Stoke's success under Pulis. Where have you back as the oldest ball boy in the uh, in the league next week? You are. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I think if honestly, if I had one job at the club and I, I had to pick like one role for myself, I'd probably be like a ball man, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> or just if I could go in a time if I could go in a time machine. Yeah, I've seen. Don't type "ball man" into into Google. Whatever you do, you're gonna get some dodgy, yeah. dodgy returns, <laughs> especially in Stoke. That's, 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 that's good advice for, for listeners as well. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so instant success: 0708 second, you get promoted. Uh, Ricardo Fuller gets top goal scorer three seasons in a row um, for Stoke as well. I'm just we we've talked about the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame earlier. Yeah. Players, you know. Robbie Savage, we've inducted now twice into it as being a player we just didn't <laughs> we, we we didn't like. Salas Dial was a player Harry inducted into the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame. He just didn't like him for whatever reason. Yeah, Dial was another player because uh, t- Tony. P- I should say that Tony Pulis was assistant manager um, to Harry Redknapp at Bournemouth and Portsmouth, mm. and he, he was manager he, at Portsmouth for a while. And he was manager at Portsmouth. Um, times, <laughs> but he he took some of your players that yeah. were underperforming at the time and took them down to Stoke, and uh, well up to Stoke should I say, but down in terms of the football pyramid. <laughs> um, and yeah, we, we we took on players that were cast off to other clubs, like you know I go back to um, players like Delap, Higginbottom, Ricardo Fuller, um, Liam Lawrence as well. I, I mean. Yeah. In that promotion season, we had over 30 different players um, either loaned or signed. Um, And and they were all like sort of players that hadn't fulfilled their potential for one reason or another. Um, The season before, we had Lee Hendry from Aston Villa, who 
was you know tipped to be the next big thing in the late 90s mm-hmm. and it hadn't really worked out for him for one reason or another um but at the time he was like the jack grealish of you yeah. know what jack grealish is now um he was tipped to be that uh, back in sort of the early noughties um and we took on players like that and, and pulis was such a good man manager that he was able to handle um characters like problems um people who got into trouble with the hierarchy that the management of, of different clubs earlier on in their careers and he put an arm around them but he also had you know stern words for players like that and uh he was yeah he 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 drew the line let's say of um of what's acceptable and what isn't and yeah but players I think genuinely think that players respected him as well and yeah. saw him as like this authority figure and yeah it worked and what look what he did i mean it's all very well talking about it but like if you just when you read it out what he yeah, did well, clubs speaking of this in the, in the 0809 season so your first season in the premier league you were you were favorites to go back down again as you alluded to earlier on he finished 12 which is actually bloody good um considering what you know all the all the bookies had had he to go down. Not only do you finish 12, but you get to the quarterfinal of the League Cup. You sign the likes of Dave Kitson, James Beattie, Matthew Everington, Henri Camara, uh, Ryan Shawcross the season before, Jay Boffright, uh, you know, Jody Craddock, Glenn Whelan's there at this time, Chris Riggert. You know, a lot of good mix of experience. And as you as you said before as well, kind of getting the players from other teams where they haven't been so successful. And then, you know, the final season of the Northeast, which is, you know, um, you finish 11th. So you, you do even better uh, Ricardo Fuller, top goal scorer once again. And you get to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, beating Arsenal and Manchester City over two legs. And, and you know, you've got Tom Chai Sanley's moved from Middlesbrough at this point. You've got Robert Hoof and Ryan Shawcross at the back, which is definitely the Stoke team I remember. Um, Asmin Begovic is there at this time as well. And this time we'd gone from having this team of, of cast-offs, of players that no one wanted, to now signing the likes of Robert Huth, Tunchai, um, desirable players that could play, you know, well in the Premier League week in, week out. And yeah, this we were progressing at this stage. Um, I think it's easy to look at us and just think, well, we stayed up and then sort of stayed up again and didn't really progress, but just were happy to stay up. But we, in terms of the okay, playing squad, in terms of the playing squad, we yeah we progressed year on year under Pulis. Yeah, it, 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 it was just it was just the football that didn't progress. I think mm. the tactics didn't move with the players that we had. Well, it's, it's funny you'd mentioned obviously like uh, taking cast-offs of Portsmouth because obviously our fate sort of passed in the uh, you know in the night, and uh, as we went down, uh, all of a sudden we were taking cast-offs from you, Win Kitson, and and yeah. Lawrence, and you were taking Begovic and Mark Wilson from us, and obviously uh, you know people with potential who people wanted like Begovic like an incredible goalkeeper like you're right the quality of player really did improve over especially into that period we don't like talking about too much you know for 2010s um, yeah definitely yeah like you say look, it's funny how things work out it's like it went full circle mm. from Pulis leaving Portsmouth when you were a, you know a bigger club to us and yeah. um, so then Pulis uh, getting us promoted, 
making us a stable Premier League club and you went the other way. Um, and Pulis, I think, had the last laugh at that point. Oh, yeah. How is... This is uh, we're going to dive straightly into the 2010s. How is Pulis kind of remembered as a manager? Because correct me if I'm wrong, and I could be really wrong. I felt like the Stoke fans kind of drove Pulis out a little bit. Is there any truth in that? If, well, yeah, but this is the naughtiest podcast, so <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I thought there were kind of parallels to the Arsene Wenger thing, and now maybe it's best to have loved yeah. and lost than never loved at all. And kind of thing. I, I touched on it. Uh, just a second ago, yeah. the tactics and the football didn't move with the players that we had. So when he left, we had players like, you know, um, Charlie Adam, Kenwin Jones, um, like top top quality at the time, Premier League players that could hack it in the top half of the Premier League. Um, we also had uh, Stephen Nzonzi, as well, mm. who he'd signed the, the season before, um, season before he left. And he couldn't get the best out of the squad that we had. Um, but just two seasons ago, we were in the, we were in, we were in Europe, we were in the Europa League. And uh, a big turning point, I think, for the fans was we played um, a last 32, I think, game after getting through what was an easy group, we played Valencia. And at the time we were struggling in the league and Pulis prioritised um, staying up by playing the best players in the league games rather than um, fielding a strong team against Valencia. And yeah, I think the fans after that, because we'd gone on such a good journey and we wanted to carry on Mm. on that upward trajectory um, so that, so, you know, progressing in Europe uh, for Pulis to turn around and say, no, look, let's focus on the Premier League. Let's just stay up. That was a real kick in the teeth for us as a fan base. And yeah, we, I think we outgrew him because he'd spent a lot of money. Like we, we were still seen as a small club, but we'd actually spent over a hundred million within the space of three years under Pulis. Um, and it all comes back to Pulis really. And ultimately that's what cost his jo- cost him his job because we weren't continuing to progress and we were spending money, but those players weren't, um, you know, weren't playing a style of play that could, um, progress into the top half and and then later on in the tens we actually continued progressing without Pulis um, mm. under Mark Hughes and um, we were a top half Premier League team after that but yeah but yeah P- we've got so much respect for Pulis and what he did to build the foundations to get us there Fair play I think that's a, a wonderful way to uh and Stoke in the noughties but before we completely finish you've created a whole app designed around football knowledge so it's now time to test your football knowledge Kyle in a game in a game we call Deal or No Deal um, well it's, it's a game Channel 4 called Deal or No Deal and we've stole it um, so this this, <laughs> this is a, a transfer game and we've got all Stoke players um, and I don't want to put any pressure on you, but <laughs> every guest we've ever had has got five out of five. 
Um, it's, it's basically true or false uh, if you're listening to this for the first time. So I've got five players who've played for Stoke in the noughties. You've got to tell me if these transfers are true or false by saying deal for true and false uh, for no deal. Are you ready, Carl? Yeah, let's go. Okay, the first transfer. James Beattie, did he move from Sheffield United to Stoke for 3.6 million? Yes, he did. Deal, correct. Told you it is easy. Uh, number two, Ryan Shawcross, did he move from Manchester United to Stoke for 1.35 million? Correct. Deal, he, sorry. He, he did. He did. Certainly did. It was a very good deal as well. That was, a, that was yeah, yeah, I was surprised. Very good. He was on loan at first, I think, and then he moved on a permanent basis. Um, Harry's favourite player of all time Salah Dial did he move from Liverpool to Stoke on a free deal or no deal does it have to be the correct um, price as well um, yeah all the prices I've put in are correct okay so it's just the player it's the player yeah. that moves okay so that's deal the club correct again free for free so far um, the greatest Stoke striker of all time, Ricardo Fuller. Um, did he move from Sunderland to Stoke for 1.58 million? Was it Sunderland? I don't know if it was. Um, maybe it was Southampton. Does it matter? You just got to say true, true or false. Oh, okay. True or false. Um, I'm going to say no deal. Correct, and you're right. It was Southampton. Yeah, the yeah. different different red and white striped team, and the final one to get five out of five, and to keep the consistency of this uh, format going. Um, Dave Kitson, who uh, Tony Pulis branded as being petulant after only scoring three times uh, in forty odd games, um, did Dave Kitson move from Portsmouth to Stoke for six point three million? No deal. He moved to he moved from Reading. He did, correct. And they relegated. I think that was your highest transfer at the time as well. 6.3 million. And five out of five. Nice. Well done. Happy days. Thanks. No worries. And so it's time now for our final feature of the show. What's in your panini? Um, so I spent a lot of money on eBay buying panini sealed stickers from the 07-08 season. Each week we get a guest on and we rank their pack out of 10. Thus far, I'm still top of the lead because basically, Kyle, I packed Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> and it's kind of ruined the whole thing. <laughs> I'm forever going to be top, which is a bit unfair on our guests. Um, so, Kyle, if you don't mind, you pick a number between 1 and 10. Okay, 8. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7... Eight, there we go. Seems like a good pack. So I'm going to open it. So listen out for the seal so you know it's authenticated. Those listening at home. There we are. So this is our very own version of uh, kind of collecting football stickers, I guess. Um, so me and Harry will rank these. Here we go. Get special points for kind of cult players, I guess. We get to have a shiny. So if you get a shiny, you're going to be doing pretty well. Get it. Are you, are you ready? Are you ready for your first card? Yeah. I'm excited. Your first player. Maybe bonus points for uh, uh, Stoke players as well. Um, I think it's a Sunderland yeah, player and captain, Dean Whitehead. You see that? Dean Whitehead. Yeah. He was, a, he was another one. 
um, that he was at a club where they didn't get the best out of him. Mm, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, he, he moved to Stoke. I think he was, I think it was Stead Melbronk was ahead of him and he'd lost his place. He'd gone from being captain to a sub under yeah. Rigby and uh, yeah, he, we signed him and uh, yeah, he was, he was a key, pay, key player for us. He's, he's one of the forgotten men, I think, from, from that Premier League, that early Premier League team. Not the greatest start, but you've had a pretty good second card because your second is Arsenal fullback, Gail Clichy. And it's signed as well. There we go. <laughs> oh, nice. Gail Clichy, Premier League winner, FA Cup winner. Very good second second card. Dean Whitehead, not so much. We, we don't talk about Arsenal. No, it's, it's true. It's, <laughs> it's funny. Oh. Never liked Arsenal as a, as a Man U uh, fan or as a Stoke fan. Yeah, fair enough. Harry's going to like this card because it's a Portsmouth striker who, from my memory, didn't really do anything. Um, but it's John Utaka. Oh, he didn't do much. But when he did, at one, on his de- <laughs> basically, he was really good on his debut and then sort of just fell away after that. He spent, you know, good bit of Portsmouth business, spent £7 million on him. <laughs> For seven probably, uh, probably your best player when when you went down in uh, 09-10, I think. If I remember correctly. But yeah, for do sure. you remember that? He's, a, he's actually that a good crazy, player. It just didn't quite. Yeah, that's the crazy seven-four game against Reading. Oh, he scored, oh yeah, scored a couple in that. I think. Yeah, possibly that that game is incredible. Yeah. Uh, your next kit, your next kit. I'll give it away. Your next sticker is the uh, Wigan Athletic kit. Classic oh, JJB. With the JJB as well. That's pretty cool. Yeah, classic, on. classic Wigan, classic Wigan. Um, so Gail Clichy is doing a lot of the heavy lifting at the moment. Two two stickers left. I don't know. Dean Whitehead was club captain. <laughs> I said we haven't had a shiny, and you are the first guest to get a shiny. Oh, it's a good. Pattern. And and Hopefully. not only is it a shiny, it's the Portsmouth. Oh, oh, 10 out of 10 for this guy right now. Kyle, you're getting a 10. I think I've won it. I don't know. <laughs> and I will get to the debate after. You've got one more card left. Wow, it is absolutely... It's it's kept the 2008 shining. Fair play. Wow. Harry's happy with that one. Harry, Harry's literally came in his pants. You can send me that. <laughs> it's, it's going straight to state. Um, and the final card is... Well, I tell you what, Harry. What are the two clubs from the noughties we're pretty obsessed with? Uh, so Bolton. Yep. Who's it? Blackburn. <laughs> no, the M- Middlesbrough. Yeah, Middlesbrough. <laughs> You've got the entire Middlesbrough squad. Oh, which who's who's in it? Though? I can't quite see. There. Yeah, I can't quite see it, but it's pretty. It's pretty uh, yeah. They had a good, they had a good team then. They had uh, Hasselbank and. Yeah, Duca, Stuart Downing, oh, uh, Massimo, Macaroni. So now it's time to rank the pack. Now, okay, I think Dean Whitehead's a write-off. <laughs> John Utaka is a write-off. I quite right. like I quite like the Wigan kit. Gail Clichy, as much as you don't like Arsenal, you've got to respect him, one of the best fullbacks in the league at the time, won the Premier League later with Man City. Hard to disagree. <laughs> The first ever shiny we've had, and it just happens to be the team Harry supports. 
But I think the shiny Portsmouth and the whole of the Middlesbrough team, which we are very obsessed with for having just an absolute roster of players, this has to score quite highly. Yeah, to me, I'm looking at it and I'm taking on board Kyle's point. Uh, Whitehead was captain. As you said, Kalisi uh, was has won trophies in both Premier League and, and the FA Cup. Uh, Utak is a Pompey player and a uh, half-decent one of that. The Wigan kit is pretty classic with the JJB. A shiny Pompey badge is like the great one of the greatest badges in football anyway, and it's shiny. Why did they get rid of it? Oh, don't. When, <laughs> when we won the FA Cup, we decided for some reason to go into this Arsenal-style shield because obviously that was cool at the time. Luckily, they've brought it back and luckily they've gone proper old school with it and it's white and blue and not yellow. What well, is the traditional way. And uh, and the whole Middlesbrough squad. This is a pretty, pretty strong pack. The only thing it's lacking is like a star player. Uh, yeah. Henri, a Ronaldo, yeah. uh, Tevez, Berbatov. That's the only thing it's lacking. So I'm thinking, and this would put you second, 8.2. I'm happy to give it that. Happy to give it an 8.2. The shiny, first ever shiny as well. Oh, I, I'm, shiny. I'm a Stoke fan. We, we didn't have many many uh, star players and noughties. We were, we, were, we were a good group of, we were team players. Fair uh, player. I've got, yeah, I've got, I'm happy with that pack of, of, uh, of workhorses. <laughs> Dean Whitehead is, is one of those workhorses that, yeah. You don't you don't notice what does Absolutely. all the dirty work. Absolutely. Um Kyle, it's been amazing having you on, mate. Um make sure you download the teammates app on uh, on Apple and uh, when it's out on Android. Uh, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, yeah, so um, the app is um, at teammates underscore app on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I'm you know massively passionate on football. It's a huge driving force on any projects that I do um, in my spare time or just anything in my spare time. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm also thinking of um, doing like playing cards um, for different clubs. So each player is, is a playing card um, for, you know, the, the big clubs and, and Stoke as well. <laughs> uh, but that's a side project on, at uh, Minimo F-Ball, which is minimalist football. Uh, that's my sort of graphic design football project that I'm working on at the moment. But yeah, there you can download teammates on the App Store. So yeah. Excellent stuff. Def- definitely will be doing that after this. Um, you've been listening to Team Mobile Lives. You can find us at Twitter at Team Mobile Lives or on Instagram, uh, Team Lives.football. Um, been an absolute pleasure speaking to the real reason Stoke got promoted. The assist, <laughs> the assister to uh, Rory Delap, it's uh, been Kyle. It's been a pleasure. Make, we'll make, see makes you. a good title. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> Get that clickbait, clickbait. All right, we'll see you next week, ladies and gentlemen. Team. more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk 
Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.